This is Pastor Andrea Ellis, and I just want to personally welcome you to the Destiny Faith Church podcast. I'm so happy you're with us today. I trust the word of God will inspire you. So please open your heart and enjoy the word. We've been in a series over the past several weeks exposing the spirit of fear, exposing the spirit of fear. So as for today, I don't have time to review, so I'm just encouraging you to go back and listen to the previous messages so that we can get right into the word of faith for today. My sermon title for today is The Mirror Image. The Mirror Image. My main thrust for today is reflect on the reflection. Reflect on the reflection. Let's dive right in. We know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Well, if God didn't give us fear, then you're under no obligation to receive it. As a matter of fact, reject it and cancel its assignment now in the name of Jesus. So let's put fear into perspective. We've gotten so much goody along the way as it pertains to fear. This is what we know. Fear is a choice. Fear is not real. We understand that danger is real, but fear is not real. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Fear is a lie. Fear cannot stand alone. Fear is perverted faith. Fear is negative faith. Fear is a presumed threat. Uh, fear is a presumed loss of injury. Fear is limiting. Fear is an emotion. Fear is an emotion. That emotion is designed to take you one direction or another direction. And we know that emotions are subject to change second by second, moment by moment. We know that fear can only exist in someone's mind. So if you don't give it materialization, if you don't give it exemplification, if you don't give it personification, fear cannot live. Let's cancel fear's assignment so that fear will die in the name of Jesus. Fear uh, is, uh, uh, fear's seduction entices people to postpone postpone their faith until their logic lines up. We already know that if it makes sense, it doesn't make faith. And if it makes faith, it probably doesn't make sense. We know that fear is an intimidating coward. Fear is nothing but a big old bully. But you are engineered by God to live above fear. Right now, we're going through this pandemic and some um, situations and circumstances. So you ask people, so how are you doing, Phil? And so, well, I'm doing okay under the circumstances. My question is, child of God, what are you doing living under the circumstances? No child of God is supposed to live under the circumstances. We're supposed to live above every single circumstance. We know that we're engineered by God to produce what we think. According to Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 11, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 7 read this way. Let this mind, let this mind 
mind, this one right here, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So let the same mind that was in Christ be in you. I want you to say this confession out loud. Say, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of of Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. This has the connotation of reflecting and looking into. Again, my topic for today is the mirror image. Reflect on the reflection. Are you getting a revelation right now? Let's expose. Let's go into exposing fear. Let's bring fear into proper perspective proper perspective according to the revelation chapter 21 and verse 8 it says but the fearful but the fearful those that are full of fear the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Well, listen, that's quite some list, isn't it? What, what kind of list is it? It says the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. When you hear things compiled together in a list, like you might hear Anassas, um, Job, um, um, Winfrey, um, Ellis, you will relate those names to people that have money, right? Those are things, all of that, that list has things in common. So this list has something in common. The fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone. Well, you would think if you're not, if you have, haven't been learned, if you haven't been listening to these lessons, you might almost get afraid that, that God is going to throw you on the lake of fire just because you were in fear. Ah, there's a difference between fearful and being afraid, being afraid, being frightened, being startled. That's a fleeing emotion. But living in fear, in fear will cause you to step back away from who God has created you to be. You've got to get a revelation that we really have to deal with this fear situation. We can't passively deal with it. You must attack back. You've got to attack back when fear tries to attack you. Fear to me is like a roach, a dirty, low-down cockroach. 
if you don't declare war on one cockroach, pretty soon you're going to have an infestation of all his cousins, relatives, and friends. Remember, fear is like a squatter. It's easier to put safeguards up, put safeguards in place to keep a squatter out than it is to evict a squatter once he's made it in. Are you listening to me? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27 speaks concerning do not give the devil place. Don't give him a place to reside. He needs to be in dry places so that he can never have any rest and so that he can never come back again. Are you listening to me? We've been playing with fear too long. We've been stroking fear and, and pacifying fear too long. Off with the head of fear. Off with the head of infirmity. Off with its head now. In the name of Jesus, we declare war. Don't give place to the devil. Don't give an entry point. Don't give an access point. Don't give a portal for the devil to come in. It's easier to keep him out than it is to put him out once he comes in. We learned that the devil's name is, is th that's really not his name, devil or say, it's just job description. He's an opposer. He's one that will oppose the will of God from your life. So anybody that opposes the will of God for my life has now become an enemy. Diablos, Diablos, that's his job description. Dia, meaning complete and total penetration. It's not just enough for him to pound at your mind, pound at your thoughts. Once he breaks through, he wants to pierce and penetrate all the way through. Are you listening to me? Bablos means to throw like a rock or a ball, pounding together, throwing and beating an object with so much force that it becomes weakened and now able to be penetrated. When the enemy begins to beat up against your mind with thoughts of inferiority, thoughts of fear, he might be and pound for a long time. One thing about the devil, he is patient. He will wait two, three, four generations just to pound, 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 pound. But once he begins to get a crack, then he begins to pound stronger so that he can break through and penetrate all the way through. May I take a station break right here? Many things that we're facing in this lifetime, those things that are strongholds against us, those things that we have to continue to renew and refresh our mind concerning, a lot of those things we inherited from the previous generation and two and three generations before. We can't just keep pacifying fear. We can't, can't pacify the enemy and the things of the devil and push them off for a later date because when we do that, that gives him an empowerment to take everything that he put against us and then put it toward the next generation even stronger. So, child of God, today is the day that you need to deal with those fear, those inferiority, inferiorities, those, those um, uncontrolled passions. This is the time that we deal with lying. This is the time that we deal with idolatry. This is the time that we deal with pornography. This is the time that we deal with fear and rage. We have to deal with it now in this generation. 
Otherwise, the next generation will inherit it, and it has gotten bigger, and it has gotten stronger. Now, wouldn't it be a shame if you just breezed through life and you kept postponing deliverance, and then it went down to your offspring? Now they've got to fight their own stuff and the stuff that the devil was fighting up against you as well. This is why we've got to take the head off of fear in the name of Jesus. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We can't keep bypassing all of the weaponry that God has given us. God has given us weaponry for our deliverance. Oftentimes people think that spiritual warfare is screaming and hollering at the devil and spitting and slobbing and rolling on the floor and throwing up and all of those outside shows. No, you just got to stand in scripture and you've got to yield the weaponry that God has given you with artistry, with excellency. Let's master how we use these tools. He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. Power has reference to dunamis or dunamis, power, force, ability. It's dynamic. It's like dynamite power from God. Its counterpart is exousia or exousia, which has reference to power as it pertains to authority. Then he has given us love, which comes from the word agape, which is the highest form of love, the love of God for his man and the love of man for his God, and a sound mind. It comes from the Greek word sophronia, sophronia, which means clothed in your right mind, clothed in your right mind. Come on, clothed in your right mind, able to control your passions, sober-minded, and not an exaggerated perception or self. Or I like to say it this way, let go of ego. We've got to let go of ego. I like how Rick Renner said it. He said the word sophronia uh, from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 could be translated, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and has given you a mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, protected and brought into a place of safety and security so that it no longer is affected by illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. Illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. It reminds me a lot of impervious. Doesn't it remind you of impervious? Unable to be affected by, untouchable, impenetrable, incapable of being injured or impaired, incapable of being influenced, persuaded, or affected by the devil. Come on. The word tells us, let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. Since I'm running low on time, let me go right over to my scripture. I'm going to go over to Genesis, my favorite book of the Bible. Go with me to Genesis, and I'm going to park here for the rest of the day, and we'll pick up on some principle on Sunday. I did not even get down halfway to my notes. So let's pick up 
at Genesis, thank you, chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, period. Then something happened in verse 2. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was moving or hovering, hovering over the face of the water, hovering over the face of the water, waiting for something to happen. And this is what the spirit was waiting for. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. When God stepped out into the creation, because everything that God creates is perfect, so we know we know that something uh, um, from obscurity happened. There was a um, there was chaos. Something there was a a break a break in rank. There was chaos that happened. God didn't panic. God didn't flip his wig. God simply said, "Let there be light." And light took off running 186,000 miles per second. We see if we continue reading down this same passage of scripture, everything that God wanted to see, he first said. He was never moved by what he saw because he knew that his words could correct any situation and any circumstance. We see in verses 26 through 28 how God said, let us make man in our image, the mirror image, the mirror image. Let us make God in our image, the root word of imagine or imagination. Let us make man in our image. We need to see the image of God. We know what happened. God gave us dominion. He gave us authority. He gave us victory and full and total control over creeps, right? Then in verse 7 of chapter 2, man, God breathed into man's nostril the breath of life, and man became a living being or a speaking spirit. A living being or a speaking spirit. He made man a speaking spirit so that man could speak forth any and everything that he wanted to see. Regardless of what his natural eyes beheld, he could speak forth what he wanted to see. Verse 8 of that same passage of scripture in chapter 2 says, Then God took the man and put him in Eden, in the spot, in delight, in the mesmerizing presence of God. God put the man that he loved with agape love in the spot so that man could behold God and all of God's splendor and all of his majesty and all of his dominion. The presence was so captivating, the captivating presence of God that man was not supposed to be able to take his eyes off of God. He was not supposed to be distracted by sideshow distractions, but be in the mesmerizing presence of God. God created man in his image. Come on, people that have been in love before. Have you ever been in love before? And you're gazing into your loved one's eyes, and you're gazing so deeply into their eyes, you can see yourself in their eyes. 
son. God created man so that God could see himself in his man. The man is supposed to act just like God. I'm so blessed I have four grand loves, four little grandchildren, and one on the way. And it's so beautiful to see the relationship um, my son has with his sons and my son-in-love has with his son. It's so funny to see the children, the boys, emulate their father, whatever their father. And sometimes I'm watching them, and maybe their dads are laying back on the couch with their hands behind their heads. Then you look at the boys. They, they lay back with their hands. They're emulating their father. What they see their father do, automatically they know they can do it, and they have a right to do it. God wants us to have that mirror image. When we look into his captivating presence, we're supposed to see ourselves the way he sees us. Could you get a revelation? We are supposed to reflect on the reflection of God as though we are looking in a mirror. When I look in the word of God, this word of God is my mirror. This is my mirror. When I look into the word of God, I should see myself and I should find myself. If you're wondering what on earth am I here for, you got to go look in the mirror, child of God, so that you could see yourself. The word tells us in James chapter, I think it's chapter 1 around verses 23 through 25. And it begins talking about being doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And it says, don't be like the person that looked in the mirror, walked away, and forgot what they looked like. I tell a funny story years, years ago before my, my, um, my deceased husband passed away. He would drive me to work all the time. And at that time, I was growing my hair out, and I was wearing a little clip-on ponytail, a little clip-on ponytail. So I'm in the mirror, and I put all my makeup on and my lipstick, and I'm checking myself out, and I'm ready to go. And uh, Pastor Tim drives me to my place of business, to General Motors. And as I get ready to get out of, out of the car, Pastor Tim looks at me, and he goes, <coughs> he starts laughing. I'm like, what? And he just kind of looked at the back of my head. I had forgot my clipped on ponytail. I had a little bitty oxtail right here. I needed to go all the way home and get my clipped on ponytail. What happened to me? I was in the mirror primping. I was in the mirror primping. As soon as I walked away from the mirror, I forgot the condition that I was really in with a little bitty oxtail instead of my long, luxurious ponytail. Are you listening to me? When we get away from the things of God, yes, we hear it, but if we don't do it, we walk away and we forget what our reflection looks like. If we go over to chapter 3, if we go over to chapter 3, we'll see what happened with Adam and Eve. It says, now the serpent was more cunning or more subtle than any beast of the field. Now the serpent was more cunning, more subtle than any beast of the field. Now the serpent was more cunning, more subtle than any beast of the field. Where did Adam and Eve live? In his mesmerizing presence. They, were, they had an audience with God. They would meet God in the cool, in the ruach 
of the, of the evening. They would meet them in the spirit and they would fellowship one with another. They had power. They had complete and total authority and d- domination. They had agape, complete and total love from, from their God and love for their God. They had power, love, and a sound mind. But then they get this guest that came in from the... Field. The word of God tells us that with, at all costs, with everything in you, guard your garden or guard your mind. Because the enemy subtly comes in with suggestions. He, he does it so subtly, you don't understand that it's his thought, not your thought. It's his suggestion, not your suggestion. And when you succumb to his thoughts, you begin to feel in fear in fear we are we know the story he said did God really say that you can't eat of the tree God just knows that if you eat of the tree you're going to be like him hold up we just read that they were already like God they already had dominion they were already speaking spirits they were already in the mesmerizing presence of God but something begins to distract them did you know whatever turns your head begins to turn your heart have you ever been driving down the street and you see something that gets your attention before you know it your car is veering off and if you have quick enough uh, reflexes to pull your mind back together you could pull but did you know a lot of people get in accidents a lot of people die because they were distracted What turns your head turns your heart. Oh, my God, I'm out of time, but I need you to come back because I got to walk you through this. I have so much revelation in this scripture right here. You've got to come back. I want to tell you about the fig trees and what that meant. I got to tell you about um, why that they were naked now and afraid after they had been naked and unashamed. Now they were naked and afraid. I got to tell you, I got to expose the spirit of fear in inferiority he suggested to her that God was holding something back from her let me explain something to you before I go I need you to know that God is not holding something from you God is only holding something for you God is holding it for you until you get mature enough to get your Focus back so that the enemy won't steal, kill, and destroy. So that what turns your head won't turn your heart. So that you can be in the mesmerizing, captivating presence of God. The mirror image. Come back Thursday. I need to teach you how to reflect on the reflection. Here's your mirror, child of God. Anything that's not in this mirror, anything that you see that's not in this mirror is not of God. Here's your mirror, child of God. Anything that you say about yourself that's not in this word is profanity. This is your mirror. Would you pick up your mirror so that you can see yourself in the reflection of God? I trust that word blessed your life. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. 
Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. And I want you to know that at Destiny Faith Church, we're more than a church, we're a family.